It's good to be together today. I, Glenn, I loved your opening question. Why are we here today? What keeps you people coming back to Grace Chapel on a Sunday morning when you could be doing something else? You know, Bill Gates, he's kind of rich and famous, right? Said he wouldn't bother going to church. He's missing something. He doesn't understand how great our God is. I pray today that our time together, as you've sung together, as we've prayed together, as we've learned together, spurred one another on to love and good deeds by seeing other people just doing little things, that, that it'll change how you view life this week. So we've sung, we've prayed, we've been challenged a little bit, got to see uh, doing good works out there just to make uh, God's kingdom a little bit better known. Let's get into God's word together today. We've been studying the book of Luke, and, and Luke is, the reason I want us to study Luke is so that we learn about Jesus, because he's Lord of all. And if he's Lord of all, then I need to know him and follow him. And, and Jesus wants us to know him. And that's why Luke wrote his gospel. And he's here teaching us um, what Jesus did so that we live life differently. So that this week, I live life differently. Jesus finished his sermon to his disciples with these words. We looked at this last week. Everyone who comes to me and hears my word and does them, he's like a man who, building a house, who dug a deep, dug deep and laid a foundation on a rock. That's what Jesus said. And then he said, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. So Luke wants us to build our lives well. So he tells us, he records these stories about Jesus that are true so that we build on the rock. Are we listening to Jesus? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? We looked at that last week. Are we building our life on Jesus so we can stand without fear when we face judgment? And we are going to face our creator face to face and give an account for how we lived. We can do that without fear when we believe in Christ. So Luke transports us from a mountainside plain, somewhere out in the country, some out in a rural setting, to the streets of Capernaum. And, and, and Jim read uh, those first 10 verses of this chapter today. Why does Luke do that? Remember what he's doing. Jesus just appointed 12 disciples. He teaches them some important truths that they need to learn. And then he takes them along, along with the crowds, and he shows them more about who he is. So let's go with on this journey and just learn a little bit more about Jesus. Probably stuff, some things we already know or think we know, but I pray today it will impact us even more. Amazing events take place. A Roman soldier hears about Jesus, and he wants to see Jesus do a great work. He hears Jesus' word, he believes in Jesus, and he builds his life on that rock. A little bit later on, we're going to read a few more verses. Jesus brings a dead son back to life. What will we be learning? What it looks like when you believe Jesus' word, and build on it. 
build your life on it. More proof was what we're going to see of who Jesus is, and we get to see it firsthand what hearing and believing and following Jesus means. So let's get into it. The first 10 verses. First of all here, we see there's a surprise, surprising faith. And, and, and Luke has this theme. He repeats it throughout his gospel, and that is faith, believing, and then authority. Jesus' authority, God's authority. He brings those verses to us or highlights those themes again and again. Just, we might know, back in chapter 1, when, when Mary heard that she was going to get pregnant by the Holy Spirit, you know, that's a surprising thing, and, and she went to visit her cousin Elizabeth. Elizabeth looked at her and said, Blessed are you because you believed the word of God that came to you. See, that's faith. The word of God came and you believed it. And that other story, the paralyzed man, his four friends bring him to Jesus and, and they couldn't get in to see Jesus, so they came down through the roof. And when Jesus, it says, when Jesus saw their what? Their faith, their belief. Faith. And then we know about Jesus' authority. The crowds were amazed. Chapter 4 just mentions it twice in a couple verses, verse 32 and 36. They were amazed at how he taught with authority. They were amazed at everything he did and said because it was spoken with authority and his word was done. The crowds were amazed. Another emphasis that, that Luke, uh, while we're talking about themes, is faith, Jesus' authority, and the Gentiles are coming to faith. Luke loves that theme. Faith outside the Jewish community, the Jewish heritage, the chosen people of Israel. So know who Jesus is. I know who Jesus is. But know who Jesus is and then let it change how you live, how you think, how you respond when your enemies hate you and curse you. Etc. Wow. What did Jesus come to do? Luke chapter 4. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, and he sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And we see Jesus doing that again. He can rescue us. Luke shows us that. He will rescue any person who turns to him in faith. He has rescued those who have believed and given them a new position of victory. We sang about that this morning. Victory because of what Christ has done. Victory over sin, the power of sin. Victory over death. Are you sharing in that victory this morning? I guess we should be jumping up and down. Amen. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm guilty. Map meter is Leslie, right? I'm just like, eh. Jim, I, I moved today, right? He was clapping and I was bobbing my head. Yeah, that's, we should be excited about this. We have victory. Believe that Jesus is God and Savior and you have victory. Hear his word. 
trust his word, obey his word, because if you say you believe it, but you don't follow through with it, Jesus says, why do you bother calling me Lord if you're not going to obey what I say? I need to grow in my trust. Have you believed? Will you say yes today? Will you take that step today? What's stopping me and you, us, from fully trusting God? <laughs> we planned that. Paul wrote to the Corinthians, Behold, in other words, pay attention. Now is a favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Why not tomorrow? Because you might not have tomorrow. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be when Jesus Christ comes back. They were marrying, and they were going to work. They were going to school. They were doing their homework. They were watching Netflix. No, they weren't doing that back in Jesus' day. They were doing everyday things, harvesting, planting, making the wheat, all that stuff. And the flood came, and it was too late. Have you said yes? So a Gentile soldier comes to Jesus. And this is a pivotal point in Luke's gospel because the gospel is now spreading from the Jewish people to the Gentiles. It's a big thing. And Luke, who is a Gentile, wants us to see this, and he's going to highlight it again and again in his gospel. God's plan for his church, for his people, is to make Jews and Gentiles one. They, they, they didn't get along. We don't have that problem anymore. We all get along. But Jesus is busy building people together. We are one. If you're a believer in Christ, then look around at the people here and see that we are one together working toward God, very different, very different gifts and personalities. Jim claps, I don't, okay? But we're working together for the love of Christ because we know who he is. You can be a part of God's plan. In Ephesians, Paul reminds us, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down the dividing wall of hostility. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit of God. Think about that. God has made... You don't come to church. You are the church. You are the dwelling place of God if you are a believer in Christ. God is living in us, and together we should be kind of glorious because of who Christ is. Wow, this must be an African-American church. Or where are we? Thank you. 
So the centurion, this outsider, this Gentile, this, this person who's not part of the chosen people, comes to Jesus. Look at his character. Now, a centurion had a servant. So he's a Roman soldier, hated by the Jews, okay? Who was, the, the servant was sick and at the point of death, and he was highly valued. So the centurion heard about Jesus, and he sent the elders of the Jews asking him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly, saying, he's worthy to have you do this for him, for he loves our nation, and he is the one who built us our synagogue. By the way, Luke wrote Acts, so read Acts chapter 10 sometime. Cornelius and this centurion kind of parallel stories here. They were really good guys. They were nice people. But that's not why Jesus helped him. He was a Gentile foreigner who invested in the culture of the Jews rather than despising it. Think about that. He was an outsider who invested in a culture that kind of despised him but became a part of it. He used his position and wealth to benefit others. And Luke is implying that this centurion was either a God-fearer or on his way to becoming one. And he was kind. He had a servant, and he loved that servant, and he wanted that servant to live. So he sent his representatives to the one that God had sent to rescue because he was believing. He was humble, not because he felt too important he didn't come, but because he understood his position as a Gentile. I don't really deserve to come into your presence. His his character is revealed by his Jewish friends. Hey, Jesus, this is not your typical Gentile. Would Jesus help him? We're not surprised that Jesus helped him, but they were. That's why they came pleading, because they didn't think Jesus would give them the time, but they didn't understand God's plan for his people, for his church, for the ones he was bringing together. And who among us deserves God's mercy? But he came asking for it. He believed that Jesus had heaven-given authority. In verses 6 and 10, he, he kind of describes, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore, I did not presume to come to you, but say the word and let my servant be healed. For I, too, am a man set under authority with soldiers under me. I say to one, go, and he goes. To another, come, and he comes. To my servant, do this, and he does it. I'm a Gentile. I'm a Roman soldier. I'm a foreigner in Israel, and I know what authority is. And I believe, Jesus, that you have heaven's authority to say a word, and it will be done. Think about that. You have the authority to say a word, and it will be done. And I am asking you to be merciful to me, even though I don't deserve your mercy, and say a word. You can do it if you will it, and it will be done. Why didn't he come speak for himself? He didn't think he was too good. He was humble. 
He's like Abraham. Do you remember that scene in, in Genesis? It's a beautiful picture. Abraham's bargaining with God about Sodom. Hey, God, if there's 50 people in Sodom, will you not destroy it? Yeah, if I find 50 righteous people, it'll be safe. Well, Lord, he, you know, he bargained them down to 10. I love what Abraham says. Then Abraham spoke up again. Now that I've been so bold to speak, Lord, though I am nothing but dust and ashes. Think about that. Lord, would you be merciful and save that city for the sake of my nephew, Lot, is really what he was asking. You know, we can come boldly before God. As a child of God, you've been blessed, told, that you can come boldly before God, not because you deserve any mercy, but because of Christ, what Christ has done for us. But never forget who you really are. Come boldly, but approach God like this Gentile, this outsider did. I'm just dust, Lord. Be gracious. Saints and angels in heaven bow in awe and humility, and we can do nothing less on earth. The same before Christ. So this great faith is commended. Lord, do not trouble yourself. I'm unworthy. Notice he says, Lord. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? But he was calling him Lord, and he meant that he was Lord, and he believed that Jesus was Lord. So he said, say the word, and it'll be done. I believe that you have heaven's authority. You are sent from heaven to do this work. I believe it. Say it, and it'll be done. The healing's amazing, and God is working, and Luke wants us to see who Jesus is. Most of all, I think here, he wants us to see who Jesus is. And secondly, he wants us to see that when you believe in Jesus, that when you believe he's Lord and you build your life on that truth, that you will not be disappointed. You may be disappointed with some things down here in this life, but not in the next. And it'll probably go better for you here when you follow Christ. That doesn't make it easier, but you'll just be at peace. Eternal salvation is found in no one else. How do you know God loves you? Just because the Bible says it? Well, that's good to believe that, but is there any proof in your life? Can you look back and say, I know God loves me. Look what he's done for me. Look where I used to be or where I was headed and how he stopped me. Or he's, he's like hassling me now because he cares for me. It's like he's bugging me and, and saying, you need to stop this. And I know I ought to listen to my wife more. I ought to listen to my friends more. Or my parents. Or the church leaders, maybe, when they're trying to, like, help me in life. Because they love me. And that's proof that that God loves me because he's sending people my way, circumstances my way, situations to shake me up to bring me to himself. God gives us his grace, not because we deserve it, but because what? 
loves us. He seeks us out. This man was convinced of Jesus' heavenly authority. There was faith in Israel, but this man believed that Jesus could just speak a word. His faith was so real, and Jesus was amazed by it. He pointed to it and said, Israel, people of Israel, you, you favored people, you people who have so much privilege and know God's word and all, have all this truth and you have the temple, you need to look at this man and follow his example. We're kind of those chosen people now, aren't we? We have the word and one another and God's truth and we need to believe and have more faith like this man did. Real quickly, I see, well, I shouldn't point to the clock, but I already mentioned it, so it's too late. Let's read the next few verses to verse 17. So here's this one event, okay? Know who Jesus is. Know he has heaven's authority. Know that he loves us. And there's this great miracle happens. He moves on. Soon afterward, in verse 11, we read, he went to the town called Nain, and his disciples had a great, and a great crowd went with him. As he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and, considerable, and a considerable crowd from the town was with her. And when Jesus, the Lord, saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. Then he came up and touched the buyer, and the bearer stood still, and he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother. Fear seized them all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people. And this report about him spread through the whole of Judea and all the surrounding countryside. <laughs> no wonder. This event, Mark, I skipped a slide. Go back <laughs> if you didn't go forward. The next event that Luke tells us about, he wants to highlight again who Jesus is. And, and in the book of Colossians, just hear these words. Verse 15, he, this is speaking of Jesus. He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything <clears throat> he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Is Jesus God and Savior? What do you say? So we see this compassionate power, this God who isn't distant but near, and he had compassion, and he sees a lonely and destitute widow. By the way, only Luke tells us this story, this, this event that happened. Does God really care about people? Well, let's see. Does he care? Oh, by the way, how many people did God raise in the dead in the Bible? 
There aren't that many records of that. Five by name. Elijah raised the widow and Zarephath's son, 1 Kings 17. Elisha raised the Shumanite widow's son, 2 Kings 4. There was a man who was tossed into Elijah's, Elisha's tomb and came back to life because he touched his bones. That's a weird story. Peter raised Tabitha, Acts 9. Paul raised Eutychus after a long, boring sermon. No, it wasn't boring. Acts 20. And several unnamed people in Matthew 27 when Jesus came out of the tomb. And Jesus raised himself from the dead. And that's it. So don't expect this to happen every day. But note this. Jesus went up to a dead man and said, get up. Jesus said to a widow who was weeping, do not weep. How insensitive. But only Jesus could say that because he could stop the reason for the tears. Happy Mother's Day. I gave your son to you when he was born. I'm giving him back to you so you're not alone. That's amazing. Jesus touched the dead body. He identified himself, made himself unclean, ceremonially unclean, so he could help us, help that widow. He did that for us when he came to earth. The word became flesh, and what did he do? He lived among us. He emptied himself, it tells us that in Philippians 2. He became like us. He left his glory behind. He was still God. But he, he, he didn't flaunt it. He became weak and helpless and humble. And he became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. So what Luke tells us about Jesus, the epistles say about Jesus, it's a consistent message. Jesus is God. So why wouldn't we follow Jesus? I love the reactions of the people in verses 16 and 17. Fear seized them all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen among us. Luke loves to record the reactions of people in his gospel because some love Jesus, some are curious about Jesus, and some hate Jesus. But they were all amazed at what Jesus had done. God has visited his people. They were fear, filled with fear. They saw a dead man brought back to life, so they said, A great prophet has risen among us. Well, their view of who Jesus was seemed to be a little low there. It was more than just a great prophet. But what's really exciting is they said God has come to help his people. They were starting to get it. Some of them were starting to get it. And of course, news about Jesus spread. How could it not spread? God has visited his people. So who are God's people? Are you one of God's people? What are the answers we learn from these stories? Well, some of God's people are Roman soldiers. 
who are outside like the favored people, so to speak, of God, and yet God's bringing them in. There was a Jewish woman who was a widow who would be poor, who, couldn't, who would be helpless, who wouldn't have the means to support herself, and God saw that need, and he helped the widow and gave her back her son. Jesus knew the cries of their heart, and he answered. Do you believe this morning that Jesus is hearing your heart cries? Two amazing miracles happen here. And Luke wants us to see more than the miracles. They're amazing. The centurion is an example of God reaching out to you and me. He crossed ethnic lines and social lines and religious boundaries to reach people who needed to make a decision for who Jesus was. Jesus' miracles are audio-visuals. You get to hear him speak. You get to see him do. He speaks. He acts. He rescues us from our sin. He has the authority to forgive our sins. He proves he has the power over death. Jesus can give life with a word just by speaking it because he's more than a prophet. He's more than a great moral teacher. He's nothing less than God. So take it to heart, believer in you believers today, why are you here? Because you have a week ahead of you to live. And you're going to need Jesus' help. And he's there to help us walk with him, to love him, to know him, to bring his grace and his goodness to other people. I'd like to close with the Psalm 16. Just, just be encouraged by this and take it to heart. You who know God, who have said yes to Jesus Christ, who, who say in your heart, you are my Lord. Lord, help me to love you more, to follow you more. Listen to what David said in, in, in Psalm 16. You can read it yourself later on today. There's only 11 verses. I'm just going to highlight a few. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to the grave or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Today I would invite you to talk with a friend. Talk to someone who believes and is stronger in the faith to help you grow in your faith or, or to come to faith. Talk to someone today. Contact us at the front of the sanctuary or, or by email or by the communication card to talk about where you are in your walk in faith and belief in Christ. Let's pray together. Lord God, Lord Jesus, you're our rock, you're our deliverer, you're our friend. Hear our cries for help today. Hear our cries for mercy. And Lord, remove any doubts we might have about your power, about 
how you, you love us and care for us. Remove those doubts. Let everyone here today turn to you in belief to grow, to come to faith, to make that initial yes step. Lord, may we see and never doubt again your merciful compassion because you are the God who saves. And we ask you to do this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, our God and Savior, our Lord. Amen.